This happened, there was an extra week. Um, I was there for my, actually extra, well yeah, extra two weeks that I was there for my father to be with him as he was recuperating from his heart attack. Then the shooting in Orlando required us to address that major issue from the pulpit. And then the following week was a discussion on why we obey. But I want to conclude our topic about Connect. The purpose of Connect is to get our church to connect to Jesus Christ, number one. To connect to Jesus Christ, number one. Our goal here, our mission as a church, and I I want this to be on the tips of everyone's tongue. If you're ever confused about what we want to be as a church, if you're ever confused about the direction you should be taking as a member of the Northwest Baptist Church, remember this. The Northwest Baptist Church exists to cultivate a greater love for God and for neighbor. Jesus says there's two commandments. They sum up every commandment. Don't worry about eating shellfish. You can eat shellfish. Jesus declared all foods clean. Worry about two. Because Jesus has created the church to be the reality of a heart-changed people. A people who have a new mind in their bodies and a new heart in their chest. A heart that desires God above all things and loves His people above all things. Can you love Jesus and hate His church? No. That's not even up for debate. The north on our compass is this. We exist to cultivate a greater love for God and for neighbor. How? Through God-glorifying worship. That means that when we read the Bible, it is to glorify God. We are not going to turn the pulpit, our small group program, our children's program, into any program of seeker sensitivity where we play to the sensitivities of man in order to make man feel good about himself. We want every one of us to feel good about Christ and find our identity in him. God-glorifying worship will characterize this church. How else will we fulfill this? Through Christ-centered living. Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed. If any man be in Christ, not in himself. Our gospel, our message from the Northwest Baptist Church is an antithetical message. The world makes it about you. The West is all about your happiness, your identity. The number one type of picture taking in photography today is called selfies. Because we're all about ourselves. Why anyone cares about your tiramisu dessert and needs to see it on Snapchat is beyond me. You agree with that or are you saying check my Snapchat? Okay. She's agreeing, not saying check her Snapchat. This is the most self-centered time ever. Everyone brands themselves and Jesus says... In his gospel, come and die. 
come and die. I've often been asked if you had one verse to share the gospel, what would it be? Galatians 2.20. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. Romans 12.1. In light of the great mercies of God, in light of the fact that God gave himself for you, in light of the fact that God came and became man and died on a cross as a criminal. Accused of being a criminal. That God would be judged by men and be accused of being a criminal. In light of the mercies of God's death. Now make your bodies living sacrifices to him. Holy and pleasing. Christ-centered living. Not man-centered living. God-glorifying worship, not man-centered worship. And finally, other direct... This church exists to cultivate a greater love for God and neighbor through God, Christ-centered living, and other directed service. Others. Paul said, think of more highly than of yourself in Philippians 2. Have the mind in you that was in Christ Jesus... That he, God, would lower himself and condescend and take on a fleshly existence. And get stomach aches. Vomit. Headaches. Tears. Bloody and bruised body. And eventually death on a cross. That God would do that for you. Do that for others. Matthew 25. At the judgment, Jesus separates the world into sheep and into goats, not men and not women, not Republicans and not Democrats, not black and not white, not Americans and non-Americans, sheep and goats, and tribes of people from every nation are going to be in the sheep pen with you. And tribes of people from every nation may be in the goat pen with you as well. And the noting, the, the thing that notes you and that de- describes you as sheep when Jesus judges men will be, you clothed me when I was naked, fed me when I was hungry, healed me when I was sick. And we, the sheep, will say, when did we do that for you, Jesus? When did we care about you? We don't know you. I mean, not like the apostles knew you. It's not like we were on the boat It's not like we were there seeing you heal everybody. Jesus says, when you do the least for one of my brothers, and he is not talking about his fellow man, but his fellow brother in Christ, you did unto me. Worship, Christ-centered living, and other directed service. have to speak in our church church was built on number one the word and number two the community of the spirit look with me if you would at our passage in Acts chapter 2 2 four. before we begin reading this is at the end or the conclusion the result of Peter's message at Pentecost 
the church age has begun. Jesus to the Father. He has sent the Spirit. In order for the Spirit to come, Jesus and think about what Jesus' ministry is. It is to be a comfort for you. Think about what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. It's to be a comfort for you. When you get online and you start reading on WebMD while your elbow hurts and you think you got elbow cancer, remember the Holy Spirit's a comfort for you. When you turn on the TV and you see that 66 were shot in Bangladesh yesterday and that hundreds have been shot in the last two weeks in terrorist attacks, remember that the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you. Remember that the Holy Spirit is there to remind you that you have entered into a new existence, a new reality of eternal life. That upon your death is entrance into the, some relationship, some disembodied relationship with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit reminds you and comforts you. Jesus says, if I go, I will send my comforter, the Holy Spirit. And the book of Acts is really the testimony of the acts of the Holy Spirit in the church. Scholars have argued, should we name the book Acts? It's not, it's not called Acts. They argue Acts of who? Acts of the Apostles. I think the best description of the book is, or best title of the book would be, Acts of the Apostles or Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. But the whole book of Acts is the story of the Holy Spirit and how he moves in the church. Peter has just preached this sermon at Pentecost. He's in Jerusalem. They're waiting in the upper room. And he preaches them a message. That Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. The Jews knew the scriptures. They had heard the stories of when the prophet spoke of a time that someone would come to liberate them and free them from their captors. At that time, it was Rome. Joel had prophesied that there would come a day when God's Spirit would literally be poured out on them and that they would speak in unknown tongues. They would prophesy. They would do many wondrous events. Peter is preaching this. Peter says, there is a time coming, we heard, that God's Spirit would be poured out on His people. The stone tablets of the law would now be poured into their hearts. And they would have a new heart. Not only that, but that there would be one who would come and inaugurate this moment. The Holy One of God. Peter says that David prophesied about him and said that his Holy One would not see decay. And Peter argues in this sermon, well, Jesus, well, David saw decay. So certainly David couldn't have been talking about himself because he's dead. As great as David was, as, as a conqueror and a fighter that David was, he pales in comparison to Jesus Christ. Because David died and stayed dead. Every story in the Old Testament, every champion in the Old Testament, every theme, every place in the Old Testament, Jesus is the greater champion, the greatest prophet, the greatest king. Don't teach to be like David. Show how David in his weakness pales in comparison to the superiority of Jesus Christ. That's what Peter did here. And he says to them, 
The Holy One of God who did not see decay was the Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, the one whom you crucified. Claire asked me this week, who put Jesus on the cross? My answer to her was you and me. She said to me, I didn't put Jesus on the cross. She did though. And so did you. And so did I. Every last one of us put Jesus on the cross. Every last one of us who are united to Christ were united in his death. That's why we were baptized. United in his death so that we might be united in his life. And as Jesus is, is now reuni reuniting us to himself, he is now making us one body. Growing us together. The conclusion of the sermon, the people say to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, our heart is hurt. What must we do? Peter says this, you must repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord calls to himself, you and I are far off. 2,000 years later, non-Jews, non-Greeks, we are the ones who are far off. The gospel has reached the ends of the world. It is you and I that are now the recipients of that gospel. Now we get to our text this morning. Will our response mirror their response is the question this morning. So those who received his word, verse 41, were baptized. And there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The word there, and they devoted themselves, in the Greek literally reads, and they continuously devoted themselves. In fact, when Luke is writing this, he means until this very day, they're still devoting themselves. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, that is still the requirement for the church today. To be continuously devoting itself to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. To the breaking of bread and prayers. The word fellowship there means the common fellowship. Not our presence, not that we are here together, but that we are together in one mind and in one spirit. One body with many members. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all continuously again came upon every soul. The Spirit was continuously working in the midst of the early church and still today works in our midst when the, the apostles' teachings are present and the koinonia, the fellowship of a common goal, a common one body in Christ is there. There is still continuous awe and it came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, let your word convict us. Let it teach us. Let it rebuke us. Let it correct us. Let it train us. Amen. There are two pillars of the local church. We are a local church. Two pillars. The first pillar of the local church is the word. In verse 42 it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, continuously to the apostles' teaching. Whether that teaching was oral or whether it was written, the focal point of the church was not the decision or the philosophy of the world. It was the word of the apostles. Men, holy men commissioned by Jesus Christ himself to speak the truth of God. Paul said, our message is a message that comes from God and not from men, Galatians 1. And that that message is so holy, it belongs to God, and we are not at liberty to change not one morsel of that message. He said that even if we, or an angel of heaven, should appear to you and preach to you something contrary, Apostles first preached, which we now have in the word of God. If anyone changes, in other words, for us, if anyone changes the word of God, that person is eternally cursed. The church devotes itself to the word be its compass. The Christian life, number one, begins with the word. Look at Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16. In Sunday school, they used to call this sword drills. Whoever could get there first would get a prize. Don't start reading. I get all the prizes. 116. You've heard this gospel, this famous, this famous gospel verse before. For I am not a full. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The word of God begins our Christian faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Many of us need to be saved to the word. We need to ask ourselves, have we been saved to the false gospels of men or have we been saved to the gospel of Jesus Christ? You say, how could anyone know that? The question is, do you look and act like what the word expects you to look and act like? That's the question. Do you resemble the teachings of men? Do your life decisions resemble the teachings of men? Or do they resemble the teachings of the Bible? It's like those fake Louis Vuitton purses that some of you women have. Oh, it's real. It's real. It's a real Louis Vuitton. But upon closer inspection, the V is above the L. And, and there's, there's tattering on the side. And the gold is chipping away. Real Louis Vuitton doesn't do that. 
real Louis Vuitton looks like it was made in the Louis Vuitton factory that they spent $5 to produce that purse. But upon further inspection, does it look like that thing? The Christian life begins with the word. The Christian life is further sustained and nourished by the word. Turn to Matthew 4.4. Matthew 4.4. Jesus is beginning his ministry and he's immediately tempted by the devil. Johann, remember that. Jesus begins his ministry and he's immediately taken into the wilderness. Maggie, remember that. Stephanie, remember that. Dave, remember that. Whether we're beginning our ministry formally or we're beginning a new one, church, remember that. Don't expect the devil not to show up when special things are happening. You say, how do you defeat the devil when he shows up? The devil says to Jesus in the wilderness, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And the devil, he thinks he's going to outsmart God here. He thinks he knows. He says, if you're God, this is the way God's supposed to behave. Doesn't every atheist operate that way? Doesn't every atheist have in his mind his own theology? He thinks God has got to act this way? Well, if God exists, how come evil exists? Well, the Bible, the God I believe in, doesn't shy away from evil. The Bible's not shocked about evil. When the men came to Jesus in, in Jerusalem, in Luke chapter 13... And they said, what happened? What about the people who were murdered? Jesus didn't say, oh, that evil is just an illusion. He said, no. What about the people who died for no reason? Unless you all repent, you shall all likewise perish. The Bible doesn't stray away from evil. The devil thinks he's going to redefine God. But God has put himself in a box. It's called his word and tells us what we may or may not believe about him. People tell me all the time when they have the word of God, they say, I don't want to limit God. If God limits himself, you have no right to say otherwise. And he has limited himself in his word. The devil steps outside of that and begins to try and interpret the word and define God differently than the way God defines himself. What does Jesus do? But he answered him, how? How does Jesus answer him? It is written. That's the trump card. Everything we do, if it is not based on it is written, has no authority whatsoever. It is written, is your authority. And if it ain't written, it ain't to be followed. Jesus answered him, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says, listen, if you sustain your physical bodies with bread, he's not saying don't eat bread. But remember, he's fasting. And the thing that keeps him alive when he's starving physically is the word of God. The thing that sustains our spiritual life and makes our spiritual life healthy, we're all worried about our physical diets. Everything is organic today. Everything. Everything that we eat causes cancer. So we're all trying to eat organic. We are all preoccupied with our diets. What about our spiritual diet? 
in our hearts, we're withered away. We're malnourished. Our spiritual lives have high blood pressure. Because we don't live on the bread of life. Man does not live on bread alone, but is devoted to the apostles' teachings. Acts chapter 2. Finally, the word of God grows and disciplines the church. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 3, 16. 2 Timothy 2, 3, 16. Many of you remember my installation sermon. We had a wonderful pastor preach. And he came in and he said, Andrew, remember these things? He admonished me with 2 Timothy. He said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge living in the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, re- reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. 2 Timothy 4. But the verse that precedes that is this. All scripture is God-breathed or breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. That means that the Bible implants in us our knowledge of ultimate reality. If you want to know, if you want to know the meaning of life, the Bible is profitable for teaching. You wonder what is the meaning of life. The Bible is profitable for that. That's where your answers are. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's not men. Yes, they wrote it, but inspired by God. It is profitable for reproof. That means showing us where we're wrong. People ask me all the time, is this thing wrong? The question I ask is, what does scripture say? It is profitable That means... Don't just stop doing something, start doing it this way. It's not that sex is evil. Sex is a beautiful gift given by God. The Bible corrects our culture. It corrects it and says, no, this is sex. In marriage with your spouse of the opposite gender and just one and no pornography it's not the right way to do it do you know that pornography actually ruins the sexual act there is more dopamine that comes out in your brain from seeing a naked image or seeing a sexual image than actually when you have the sexual act. Time magazine, the secular world, has called that pornography is not this okay. It's actually destroying your sex. God gives you sex. He repudes the pornea, sexual immorality, and tells So it repudes, tells you stop it, and it tells you if you want okay. But then not only does it do that, finally it 
us. That means it teaches us to not do it one time, but to do it consecutively the rest of our lives. The Word of God begins the Christian life. It sustains and nourishes the Christian life, and it grows and disciplines each believer. This church is going to be built on the Word of God. Pillar number two, though, is this. Be devoted in the fellowship of believers. Look back at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 42. They devoted themselves. Your book does not say continuously. It should. And they devoted themselves continuously to the apostles' teaching. And look at what the rest of the passage is about. To the fellowship. To the breaking of bread. That means the prayers with one another. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed. They were together, not separate. Have church at home on YouTube. They didn't say, I got to work on Sunday. They were together. Things can't the being together. They were together. And they had all things in common. Was elevated in superiority. Together and say, ah, he's got more money. He's more important. They've got less money. They're less important. No, remember second. Scolds them for such a thing. When Corinth does that. No, they had all things in common. And they. And belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. The condemnation on the church of God. Church go in need when others in the church have plenty. In our church. Christ-centered living and acts of other directed service. You should never hear that a brother or sister of ours has been in a hospital room and not one of us has gone to see them. Or that a brother or sister in our church is sick and not one of us has prayed over them. Or prayed with them. Never let that be the case. And day by day, and up by this, make it on Sunday. Day they fit their fellowship around their schedule. We schedule church in. That's what we do today. We pencil it in. If, if we've got some time, if the Dolphins aren't playing, I mean, come on, don't go to the Dolphins game. For real. Don't, don't waste your money. We're going to lose. I'm the biggest. Just record it. All right? But we pencil church in. The early church? Attending the temple together and we have trouble getting here for one hour on Sunday. 
And by the way, I see people fanning themselves. They didn't have air conditioning back then either. Day by day. Attending the temple together and breaking bread, even in their They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Sounds like a family. It's as if family with a new brother, Jesus, and a new father. And it's like we're his children. It's like God is, is the bigger family. Was it Jesus who said, anyone who does not hate brother and father, mother and sister, and is not fit for the kingdom? Yes. Luke. In other words, he's not. I've got, in, the, in honor of this July 4th, you and I've got more in common with the Russian brother who follows Jesus Christ than the patriot you're going to be standing next to, the patriotic pagan you're going to be standing next to tomorrow night at a barbecue singling, singing grand old flag. That's what Jesus is saying. Your people are my people. The pillar of the church in fellowship. And if we fail to replace, church cannot stand. Born into community. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Now in one body. The Christians unified in community and they give and share their gifts with one another. Also 1 Corinthians 12, but also 1 Peter 4, 10. In Philippians, Paul says these strong words. Turn in Philippians really quickly. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Very strong words to this church. He says to them, this, There's any any comfort spirit. In other words, look at what he's saying. He is Can I love Jesus and hate his church? Paul's going to answer this question right now. Can I love Jesus but hate his church? Watch how Paul answers it. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my Having in the same love, being in full accord in one mind. Paul says, if you're my brother, if you are Jesus' brother, you love and fellowship with his church. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of that mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind, and do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, Count others more significant than yourself. If you're a Christian, you love God's church. But finally, Christians live the Christian life together. Hebrews 10 is our verse. Verse 23 through 25. It's our verse of the year. 
Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. What's our confession? Of the apostles, the Bible. For he who promised in his word is faithful. We will bring of Jesus Christ. And let us consider how to to love and you cannot do if you are not connected to this church. You cannot stir up love if you're not connected to our church. And not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, encouraging one another, or as you see the drawing near. The statistics are. of American adults say that church attendance is not important or not important at all. 1% of American adults say that church is not too important or not important at all. says it is. You to where you stand as by the trends you live out. Do you look like the 51% or the 100% of God is key? Finally, the passage ends by saying this. And the Lord added to the day. Why would God bless a church that's apathetic about one another? Why would God church its responsibility and accountability to one another? I'm not saying that's us. But where the we must rid ourselves of it. The Lord adds to the number of the churches that are healthiest. We have to get ourselves healthy again. How will we do that? By building ourselves firmly on the pillar of God's word and the pillar of Christian God, thank you for your word, my brothers and sisters. Let us love your word more, and let us love our neighbor more. When we leave our midst every Sunday, let us be able to answer yes to the question, do I love you more today, God, and do I love my brother and sister more today? Let us be able to say yes. Lord, let us put to death any sense of racism, any sense of superiority, any sense of, of, of being better than another person, any sense of wealth or social status. And let us see that we are all one body, united by one head, Jesus Christ. Amen.